Wowza. Dear goodness. <laughs> hey, homies. I'm Katie. I'm Sydney. And this is Something Sick. What's up? Hello, hello. Welcome back. This is us after waking up in the middle of the night last night because of a tornado. Yeah. Poor Sydney. (laughs) Had to wake her up. I did. I had to wake up at like 4.30 anyway, and then we got woken up at 3 a.m., and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. But we are all good. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of prayers for Kentucky. They're going through it. Very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but we might be a little sleep deprived in this, so that's fun. Yes. Keeps it interesting. It's a fun time. Exciting stuff. Um, the one exciting thing is that Shane and Ryan Yay. have a new ghost show. I was hoping they would. Yeah, I didn't know it would be coming that Me neither. Soon, I'm so excited. I, especially after last week, you're like, we're so sad that it's over. I know. <laughs> <laughs> And now we're like, what's up, guys? We want to send in some, we want to like capture evidence and send it to them yes. to recreate. Yeah. That would be the dream. Yeah. To be featured. Yes. Love, Love them. them. Oh. <laughs> um, um, later tonight, we are going to, we got to hunt a yes. killer box. Uh, sponsor us? <laughs> Someday. <laughs> we're so pumped. Really excited. It's going to be so fun. This is our first one. Yeah. So. We'll let you know how it goes. Yes. Hopefully we're good at it. <laughs> I have low expectations for the first one. Okay. Like, because we don't know. I know. I've never done an escape room either. I have. So I have, I don't know anything. I really liked the code breaking part. So I'm excited there's a code to break. Yes. Very Zodiac. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else that we should talk about? Nope. I got nothing. Great. <laughs> this is going to be a long episode anyway. Great. So you want to know what we're talking about today? Even though you already know. I already know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, last week, if you listen to last week's, which you should, um, Katie gave you a hint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that this case has a Lifetime movie based on This it. is how I learned about this case was a Lifetime movie. So there you go. Um, today I am talking about Jody Arias and the murder uh. of Travis Alexander. <laughs> and it's wild. Oh, yes. So, um... By the way, I read a book for this case. Wow. So, Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I read Picture Perfect by Shana Hogan, and I wanted to shout it out because it's very well written. So shout out. <laughs> um, so Travis Alexander was born on July 28th, 1977. His family life was difficult with his parents both being addicts, but eventually he and his siblings moved in with his grandmother who raised them and she also got them involved in the Mormon church. When he was an adult, Travis became a salesman and motivational speaker and he was known to be confident and funny and on his MySpace page he wrote, quote, I love nature, helping the homeless, and cooking with my grandmother just to create memories. Okay. <laughs> So interesting. That's so like MySpace of like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. (laughs) Something about that is so like mid 2000s, like all about me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Um, In the last months of his life, Travis had started writing a book about his life and the hardships he'd endured. He was ambitious and he would start his day with outlining a dozen daily goals, which I could never do. I... I don't never have goals going into the day. <laughs> no. It's like, get to work on time. Get to work on time. Make it through the day. Yeah. Get something done. Like, maybe make my bed. <laughs> maybe. I failed at that for the past week. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. A dozen daily goals. Uh-uh. Do you have an example? No. Oh, man. I should have written some of them yeah. down. Whoops. Um. A lot of them were like, I feel like it was definitely like workout. Like it was like a lot of oh. like <laughs> self-improvement things <laughs> that I don't do. Um, in his mid-20s, he started working for prepaid legal, which was an MLM. Oh. <laughs> so, um, yay. Not great. Um, but he did really well at it. So he made good money. Because okay. if, if you don't know people with MLMs, only really the people at the top can make good money oh, yeah and then if you're the bottom like 
it's not it's not good no they're pyramid schemes yeah please don't get involved anyway so um he made really good money at that like i said and he became like pretty high ranking in the company um he also became an entrepreneur um he and his friend taylor decided to start a company that you're gonna hate it was a clothing line for women to promote modesty. And it was called the... Was Taylor a man? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, it was called the Coalition Against the Flagrant Flaunting of Flesh. Um, oh. So, yeah, that's a choice. <laughs> I don't love it. I He's Mormon. I get it. It's, it's one thing to me for like women to talk about modesty, but for men to pr- like to push that on to women yeah. infuriates me. And I'm just like, it, what I wear shouldn't matter to you. No. So anyway, uh, yeah, hate that. But um, he was very career oriented. He wanted to succeed and he was doing very well for himself. So yeah. mm-hmm. that's kind of the background on Travis. So when I started writing this, I was going to like try and be all mysterious before like introducing like the alleged murderer. But like, no, everyone knows who it is. It's Jody Arias. Yeah. So Jody was born in, I think it's pronounced Salinas or Salinas. I don't know. California in 1980. And she said about her upbringing that she had an ideal childhood until the age of about seven. Um, As a child, she was soft-spoken and had a passion for art. Um, She really loved photography. That would later be like her, Mm -hmm. what she wanted her career to be. Her family moved around a lot when she was a kid, which Jody has said made making friends difficult for her. And she would later also tell Travis that she had few friends because, quote, all girls are jealous of me and all guys want to sleep with me. (laughs) I just, how do you go around your life thinking that? I have no idea. I mean, but I'm not the most confident person. No, but also like that's toxic confidence. Like that's, no. Like all girls, it's the all girls are jealous of me thing too that especially gives me. not true. Because I'm like, all of my friends are beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and I still love them and like they're my friends and I'm not jealous of them. Yeah. Like I can think, oh wow, I wish I looked like that sometimes, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that I like hate them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. So I don't know that she meant she hates them. No, she, I think she means that other girls hate, hate her. her. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't think she hates them. <laughs> no, I think she thinks that other girls hate her okay. because she's too pretty. Gotcha, gotcha. So from a young age, Jody's parents started to recognize that she had some pretty major behavioral problems. Her mood would shift really dramatically, just at like the smallest thing. And she could go from enraged to inconsolably depressed. Um, some of her high school friends even like talked to her parents and expressed concern for her. Mm. Um, did and- her parents do anything? <laughs> oh, they did. Okay. It wasn't good though. Okay. So in response to this, Jody's parents used physical discipline to try and fix her emotional instability. Mm. And this wasn't just like a spanking, like it was bad. So Jody's father began using a belt on her, and her mother would carry a wooden spoon in her purse to hit Jody with. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, once Jody's father even shoved her into a door frame so hard she lost consciousness. Wow. So in retaliation, Jody would hit her parents back too so i think i would too Which, yeah fair but um as she got older and especially as she started having boyfriends jody's anger issues grew worse um she literally would shake in anger like oh constantly which is kind of terrifying to me i mean Kristen, name drop sorry <laughs> she used to tell people little. i'm gonna explode <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> Um, Jody also once told her friend, quote, my anger is very destructive. I've kicked holes in walls, oh, kicked my brother's down done doors. That. <laughs> <And> that. <laughs> That's such a boy thing. I know. <laughs> to like punch a wall. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's also smashed windows and broken things. Okay, he didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's got some anger issues <laughs> that she might need to work on. To be fair, my siblings did these things when they were like little yeah <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of. well and it's like if it's like a like 
it happens like once or twice, it's like, okay, I think but it constantly. happens like regularly. Oh, that's not good. Kristen um, would regularly go, I'm going to explode. <laughs> but I love that. It's so funny. Um, in her relationships as a teenager and young woman, well, I said that weird. Say that again. <laughs> woman. <laughs> At least one of Jody's ex-boyfriends was abusive, and at least two cheated on her. Oh, my gosh. So, obviously, that left her with some issues with jealousy and mistrust. A lot of people around her have done things yeah. that would make me have a lot of issues, yeah. too. So, But that doesn't excuse what she did. No. But I can see where she learned something. Yes. Yeah. It's like, she clearly had problems that, like, Went untreated yes. for too long. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't know. It's yeah. not like inevitable because someone should have done something. something. But yeah. Yeah. So in September of 2006, Jody went to a networking convention for prepaid legal services. Oh. And there she met Travis. So at this point, 29-year-old Travis was a high-level executive in the company and he was speaking at the convention. And 26-year-old Jody was an aspiring photographer, and she went to prepaid legal to, like, see if she could make some extra money on the side from it. And she was blonde and beautiful, and so someone introduced her to Travis. And anyway, they immediately liked each other. Hmm. So Travis invited Jody to the company's formal executive dinner as his guest. And after the dinner, they stayed up talking to each other until 4 a.m. Man. Yeah. Also, I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> until 4 a.m. Nope. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, also, fun fact, at this point, Jody did have a boyfriend. Oh, great. That she owned a house with. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the next morning, Travis reportedly told his friend Sky Hughes that he wanted to marry Jody. Oh, my. <laughs> that's not good. No. <laughs> so, that's a little, uh, a little crazy. And so the two of them immediately started a long-distance relationship. Um, Jody at the time lived in Palm Desert, California, and Travis lived in Mesa, Arizona. And they and she were, was living with another guy. Yes. And while she's in a long-distance relationship. Yes. And I think it's like, at one point, they like they broke up, but like were friendly. Okay. And during part of it, he like could tell that she was like changing. So like, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but... Travis like converted her oh yeah to Mormonism and so her boyfriend was like she's being weird like yeah so yeah okay um also at the time like when they first started dating and for a while they weren't like exclusively dating okay um but Jody was like obsessed with uh -huh. Travis like pretty early on um the two of them would travel together they would meet kind of in the middle at Sky Hughes house mm -hmm. Or um, they would travel around and see all kinds of places included in the book, A Thousand Places to See Before You Die. Oh, that's interesting. So, um, so one thing that Travis's friends did not know was that they were having sex. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Travis was a Mormon, so this was not something he was supposed to do. And eventually, it started to weigh on him, and he started feeling a lot of regret and guilt about it. Um, but meanwhile, like I said, he converted Jody. He sent missionaries to her home oh my and um, talked about the Book of Mormon, gave her a Book of Mormon. And within two months of dating, he baptized her. Oh. And he's the one that baptized her, which is so weird to me. Yeah. I don't know if that's a regular thing in the Mormon church, but. I have no idea. That's weird to me. Yeah. Like not a pastor or like a priest. I don't or, know how it works. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> anyway. So they continued dating um, for some time, but eventually the fact that they were having sex was really getting in the way of Travis being able to see them getting married. Um, basically because she was having sex with him, she was less of like marriage potential to him, which is really gross and misogynistic because he was also having sex. But anyway, um, I read somewhere that some Mormons interpret the law of chastity to mean that they can have sex with people they are casually dating, but not the people they intend to marry. <laughs> that's weird. Which is very weird. So it's like maybe they convinced themselves that that's what they are doing. But anyway. Yeah. So after some time, Jody also became very possessive of Travis. 
So she had to be around him at all times. She made it clear that she didn't like him talking to other women. Um, She would follow him to the bathroom and stand outside the Uh -uh. door to wait for him. I would not be able to go to the bathroom. No. If someone was standing right outside. And I don't know if he knew, to be honest. But it sounds like she might have, like, followed him and then as he was about to come out, like, walked away. That's scary. Yeah. (laughs) Um, She would eavesdrop on his conversations. She constantly went through his emails, phone calls, and social media accounts. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Travis's friend, Sky Hughes, spoke with ABC um, about a time that she and her husband sat Travis down and tried to tell him that they thought Jody was dangerous. Hmm. Which, to be honest, for people to, like, bring up that a woman could be dangerous. Yeah. Takes a lot, I feel like. Kind of? I don't don't know. know. So, Sky and her husband sat Travis down. And Sky even said, quote, Travis, I'm afraid we're going to find you chopped up in her freezer, which oh. is just like, okay. So they didn't just think she was like annoying. Like they were like worried. Yeah. Um, but Travis wasn't really having any of it. He really loved this girl. So they kept talking. He wasn't really listening to them. And Sky said that all of a sudden she got a cold feeling and she just knew that Jody was outside like eavesdropping. Oh, so she mouthed to them and pointed at the door and said, she's out there. Yeah, I remember this. And Travis was like, no. So he stood up and opened the door really fast. And Jody was right there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not good. No. And because Jody had probably heard some of that conversation and like because she looked like pissed when he opened the door. Mm-hmm. Um, Sky and Chris did not let Jody in their home anymore out of genuine concern for themselves and their children. Yeah. So. I would be concerned as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of Travis's other friends also started taking note that Jody did not seem genuine. Like a lot of her emotions seemed like she was kind of molding herself to whatever situation she was in, um, especially to elicit whatever responses she wanted out of Travis and other men. Hmm. So she was just like very manipulative in the way that she would like talk and interact with people. So Jody and Travis were officially together. Like after they casually dated, they were officially together for five months before Travis broke things off. And even while they were together, none of Travis's friends in Mesa really knew that he had a girlfriend. Like, I think they thought that they were just, like, like casually dating. Yeah. And Jody became increasingly jealous when it became clear to everyone that she was far more interested in him than he was in her. Mm-hmm. So, um, when Travis started considering breaking things off with Jody and seriously dating to find a Mormon woman to marry, even though he converted her, yeah, um, he wrote on his blog, quote, this type of dating to me is like a very long interview, desperately trying to find out if my date has an axe murderer pent up inside of her. Oh my gosh. I know. Like, Oh, that I don't foreshadowing, think you sh- like... I don't think you should be having those thoughts about someone you're dating. Like, I don't think you no. should be dating them. Yeah. And just, like, him, he's writing that about, like, other women he's trying yeah. to date, not about Jody. Oh, no. Which is just, like, oh. Oh, it gives me chills. It freaks me out. Yeah. So, um, around the same time that he was, like, writing this and stuff, Jody was suspicious that Travis was cheating on her, um... Because he basically was. He was, like, already talking to and flirting with and going on dates with other women. Yeah. So on June 29th, 2007, they officially broke up. And two weeks after their breakup, Jody moved to Mesa. <laughs> so after they broke up, yeah, she moved to where he lived. Mm-hmm. And she lived only 10 minutes from Travis. Jeez. And Travis even paid her $200 a month to clean his house. Because he like, like she was struggling financially. And he was like, I guess I'll like help you out. No. Yeah. Um, And while she lived in Mesa, the two were also still regularly having sex, despite Travis dating other women. Mm -hmm. So um, while living in Mesa, Jody would show up to Travis's house unannounced and let herself in through the garage since she knew the code. Yeah. Um, She even apparently once snuck into the house through a doggy door, which is just Mm. absurd. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's so degrading. It literally just imagining crawling in through the doggy door 
No. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah. why? I don't understand. Um, She also would threaten suicide to manipulate Travis into keeping up a relationship with her, mm-hmm. which is really not okay. Mm-hmm. And all of Jody's behavior got even worse when Travis started dating another woman named Lisa. So Jody continually tried to scare Lisa. She would bang on the windows of her home and run away. Um, at times, Lisa would come home to find her door open or her door unlocked. Um, mm. Two times, Travis's tires were slashed while he was at Lisa's house. Wow. And once, Lisa's tires were slashed. Um, so all of this... I'd be so mad. Oh, and it's like, I think also at one point, it might have been Lisa, it might have been someone else. I didn't write this down, but I think it was Lisa got like an email from like an anonymous person. Oh gosh, I wonder like, who Like calling her a whore and stuff. Yeah. So, and Lisa was like, okay, yeah, that was freaking Jody. Like yeah. she knew. Everyone knew. Yeah. So all of this craziness went on for about eight months before Jody moved back to Wairika, California to live with her family. So while there, she also started talking with a man named Ryan Burns who lived in Utah. <laughs> and I believe she also met him through prepaid legal. Okay. So she's meeting all her men there. Yeah. So yeah, she moved back. She lived with her grandparents, I believe, at their house in Wairika. Um, And despite feeling relieved that Jody was gone, Travis was still in communication with her. Hmm. So they were texting and having phone sex regularly. Um, However, in May of 2008, they started having a huge fight. So... Travis told his friend, Taylor, that he noticed that Jody had hacked into his Facebook account, and he confronted her about it, as well as about his tires getting slashed and some other horrible things she had done. Mm-hmm. And on May 26th, they went back and forth. The fight went on, like, over phone calls, over texts, like, over everything. Mm-hmm. But we only really have record of, like, the texts and stuff. Yeah. But on May 26th, Travis called Jody evil and a sociopath. And told her she had caused him more horror than she knew. And he also called her a slut and a whore. Oh, my gosh. So. Um, if someone is already, like, physically doing things. Yeah. And, like, saying things to push them even more over the edge is not something I would do. I know. And. Not to shame. Yeah. But. Well, and Taylor said that to him, like, when Travis yeah, like, told him. Why did you do that, dude? He said that he was concerned about him cr- about Travis confronting Jody mm-hmm. and said, "Aren't you afraid she's going to hurt you?" And Travis said, "No." He said that Jody was crazy but harmless. I mean, yeah. Harmless? She's <laughs> slashed your tires, dude. Like that Yeah. It's a pretty violent. That's not like a little like prank or no. like a <laughs> That's so much money worth of damage. And like breaking into your home and like Yeah, no. Yeah. I wouldn't say she's harmless. No. So. Did he just like, I don't know why he would want to protect her like this. Like, like not talking, like he doesn't talk bad about, like he says those things to her, but then he like weirdly kind of defends her to his friends. Yeah. It's a very like. Weird. Their relationship was 100% super toxic. Yeah. Because even while she was living in Mesa, like he would talk to his friends about like, Jody's like a stalker. Like. Yeah. But then. But he then would, when they're, they he would like invite her over and they would have sex. So yeah. it's like. And then he would, con- when his friends would be like, all right, I don't think it's a good idea. And he's like, it's fine. Yeah. So it's very weird. Hmm. Very toxic relationship on both sides. Yeah. So. Mm. Um, so that whole big blow up fight was on May 26th. On May 28th, Jody's grandparents' home in Wairika, where she was staying, was robbed. Okay. A door was kicked in and a DVD player and a 25 caliber pistol were the only things that were reported missing. Okay. So around this time, Jody told Ryan Burns that she was coming to Utah at the beginning of June for a prepaid legal convention and that she wanted to see him. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she told him like she told friends like, oh, yeah, I'm going for Ryan. But then she told him like, oh, I'm just passing through. Yeah. <laughs> Try to be super casual. Um. So in June of 2008, Travis had plans to go to Cancun with a woman from his church named Mimi. And the two of them had been talking for a while. But shortly before the trip, Mimi told Travis that she just wanted to be friends and was like, you can take someone else. And he was like, no, it's okay. We'll still go. We'll just go as friends. 
How long have they've only been talking and they were going to go to Cancun together? Yeah, he had been interested in Mimi for a long time. Wow. And I think they'd gone on a few dates and she was kind of like, I don't know. (laughs) But he really liked Mimi. Like he was like convinced she was going to be his wife. So Um, I'm impressed she told him no. Like she was like, I don't want to date you. Yeah. Um, On June 1st, um, late that night, Jody called Travis four times. Um, and then he called her back a few times. I was like, it went back and forth. But all in all, they spoke for several hours on the phone. And then on June 2nd, I actually think it was June 3rd. I think that's wrong. Um, one of the two. <laughs> Jody began her trip to see Ryan. So she rented a white Ford Focus. And they, at the agency, the rental agency, they had actually tried to give her a red car. And she told them it wasn't suitable and asked for something in like a white or a gray color. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. And she then began her trip heading south to Santa Cruz and then to Monterey and then to Los Angeles before heading to Utah. And the stops in Santa Cruz and Monterey were to see two of her ex-boyfriends. My gosh. Yeah. She has so many. I know. (laughs) So while in Monterey, Jody visited her ex, Daryl, who is the one that she had the house with. (laughs) Um, and she asked to borrow two gas cans from him for a long trip she was taking. And Daryl would later say that Jody did mention something about Mesa. And Daryl gave Jody two five-gallon gas cans, and she left. And she made several more stops along her way. She made bank deposits. Hmm. Um, she got a manicure, and she also bought face wash, sunscreen, and a third gas can. In Pasadena, Jody stopped at a Starbucks and bought a strawberry frappuccino, which I just wanted to note because if I made someone a strawberry frappuccino and then found out they killed their ex-boyfriend, I don't know what I would do. I just like, I don't know. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm okay. trying to it. You would. Guess where Sydney's been working for almost three and a half years. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to, yeah. <laughs> to note that. So after that, um, Jody filled her gas tank as well as the gas cans and got back in her car and turned off her cell phone. Great. Yeah. Um, she would later claim that she had accidentally taken the wrong highway for 100 miles and <laughs> that her phone had died and then she was lost. And so she just pulled over to sleep for a while and that put her like way behind on her trip. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. She also said, she said, I'm not above sleeping in my car. <laughs> Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> she said that? Yeah. Uh, I, I think know. I am above sleeping in my No. I'm just too scared to sleep That's in what my I, car. Yeah. I am too afraid of that. But anyway, I just, I keep, I have a lot of quotes from her in here because she's just so weird. <laughs> anyway. She's so, a very strange person. Yeah. When Jody finally made it to Salt Lake City on June 5th, um, which was later than anticipated, she met up with Ryan. Um, He noted that she had a few cuts on her hands that she said were from bartending. And she wore a long sleeve shirt despite the really, really hot weather. And also her hair, which she had been dyeing blonde for years, was suddenly brown. Yep. So. And then after visiting with Ryan, um, Jody returned her rental car to California on June 7th. And the owner noticed that all of the car mats were missing and there was an odd stain in the back seat. Great. So now we're going to go back to Travis. Yeah. So on June 4th, Chris Hughes was already in Cancun and was texting back and forth with Travis. So Chris and Sky were in Cancun and Travis and Mimi would be joining them on the 10th. So they were texting back and forth about their plans and stuff. And after answering Chris a few times, Travis started to clean the floors in his home. Um, He also sent a few emails, um, just kind of, you know, seemingly having a normal day. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some of his goals. Probably. Yeah. Um, The next day, um, one of Travis's roommates, Enrique, hadn't seen Travis. And so he assumed he was already on his trip to Cancun. Mm -hmm. And Enrique and his girlfriend fed Napoleon, which was Travis's dog, mm-hmm. which you'd think that he would tell you when he's leaving if he expects you to take care of his dog. Well, some people don't do that. But anyway, um, around this time, Jody called Travis twice, leaving him voicemails both times. 
Um, she also texted him and emailed him about payments on the BMW that she had bought from him and also about their upcoming trip together to Oregon because they were still traveling together at this point. Oh, my gosh. So by June 9th, 2008, it had been five days since any of Travis's friends had heard from him. He Did Mimi go to Cancun? No. Okay. Uh, They were supposed to leave it on the 10th. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, that day on the 9th, he missed an important conference call from work, which friends said was very unlike him. And he and Mimi were set to leave the next morning. Mm -hmm. So on the 9th at 10.05 p.m., three of Travis's friends showed up to the home he owned in Mesa. So these friends were 19-year-old Michelle Lowry and her 20-year-old boyfriend, Dallin Forrest, and 29-year-old Mimi Hall. So Michelle and Mimi were pretty close with Travis, and then Dallin just kind of vaguely knew him. Okay. But Michelle and Mimi had been texting and being like, I haven't heard from Travis. Have you heard from Travis? Like, we should go check on him. So um, first, they tried ringing the doorbell. There was a light on in the home upstairs, and they heard Napoleon barking at the doorbell, but no one answered the door. Hmm. So Michelle called Taylor, uh, Travis's friend and business partner. Yep, I remember him. Yep. (laughs) And Taylor gave them the garage code. And so they opened the garage door and there they saw Travis's car in the garage. So they went into the house through the laundry room and immediately upon walking inside noticed a foul odor in the home. And the roommate was still staying there. Yes. And wasn't. Both roommates. So he had two roommates. And both of them said like they maybe noticed it, but also like. It was three guys in the Ugh. home, so they were like, I don't know, like, that sometimes so you just gross. smell gross things, like... That's so terrible. Yeah. You don't smell a dead body. Yeah. Regularly. I also, I think, honestly, by that point, they had gotten kind of... Nose blind. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awful. So gross. So, in the home, there was dog food in the dog bowl, and two bar stools were resting on their sides with tire... Tile cleaner <laughs> sat in the middle Tar. of the floor <laughs> so the bar stools were still like on their sides from when travis had been cleaning the floor five days earlier wow so if that tells you anything about how these guys were living <laughs> they weren't concerned at all no um so the friends first checked travis's home office inside the office were travis's laptop wallet keys and cell phone The wallet contained his ID, credit cards, and cash, and the cell phone was powered off. Hmm. Um, So then they went upstairs, and they could hear music playing from the direction of one of the bedrooms. So Dallin pounded on the door, and after a moment, one of Travis's roommates, Zachary Billings, opened the door. And Dallin asked if he'd seen Travis, and Zachary said, he's in Mexico. (laughs) And Mimi's like, no, he's not. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So Mimi was like, no, we're leaving tomorrow. So, um, Zachary asked if they had checked Travis's room and they were like, no. So they all approached Travis's room and it was locked, which is strange because people who knew Travis said he rarely locked the front door, let alone his bedroom door. Mm -hmm. So, um, Zachary found a spare key and the, they opened the door and this is, this crime scene is not good. No. So. First off, I'm just picturing the Lifetime movie. Okay. It's the one thing I, I like vividly. Okay, you do that. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but. I think so. I've okay. seen other stuff. Okay. I actually don't remember. <laughs> so, first off, there were no signs of forced entry to the home or Travis's bedroom. So, just getting that out of mm-hmm. the way. Travis's bed had been stripped. The sheets were missing and the duvet was piled in the middle of the bed. The bathroom light was on, which kind of lit up the rest of the room. And that was the light that they had seen from outside the home. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a massive pool of blood in the middle of the room. And so Dallin and Zachary entered the room and Dallin told the girls to stay in the hallway, which really glad he did that. He shouldn't have had to see this because he was like 20. He's like poor kid. But um, and they were all like almost 30, right? Um. Travis was 30. Yeah, but like the girls Mimi were... was 29. Um, Michelle was 19. Oh, okay. Um, so wow, what an interesting age gap. For they the all, friends. yeah, all of Travis's friends and like 
There are very They're weird age the gaps. Place. It's very strange. Okay. Some of it makes me feel weird. Yeah. But. I mean, I am 22. <laughs> yeah. I forgot my age last week, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't, like, hang out with people that are, like, besides my siblings and maybe their friends. Yeah. Will I ever, like, be around 19-year-olds? Yeah. It's yeah. just a little weird. But. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Travis was in the bathroom. So Dallin and Zachary went into the bathroom and found Travis on the floor of the shower and he was obviously dead. So they immediately left and they closed the doors behind them and called 911. Mm -hmm. And they all went outside. Um, They also got Enrique, the other roommate, Napoleon, and then Zachary's girlfriend who was also inside the house. Um, They got them all outside and while on the phone with police, talk and suspicion immediately turned towards Jody. Yeah, I mean, they've all been suspicious of her for since they've known her. Yeah. So police arrived and they cordoned off the scene and started questioning the witnesses. And by 11 p.m., homicide detective Esteban Flores arrived on the scene, along with Juan Martinez, the deputy attorney. So... They entered, and upstairs in a common area, Detective Flores noticed an open black camera bag, which had the camera missing. He then entered the bedroom and immediately recognized that Travis had been dead for at least a few days. Mm. Some sources said that he was practically mummified, which is just awful. And based on his wounds and the blood spatter at the scene, Flores noted that this guy didn't go quietly. Mm. That's a quote. And... Um, Not only that, but based on the nature of the crime, Flores also immediately noted that Travis would have known his killer and that this killer wanted Travis to suffer. Hmm. So detectives cleared out of the home to because they had to obtain a warrant, which I that is crazy to me. Oh, no, it's a crime scene. But anyway, so on his way out of the home, Flores noted a small smear of blood on the washing machine and was like, "Okay, we're coming back to that. Yeah. So detectives returned to the scene the next morning after obtaining a warrant. And as they investigated, they found more interesting pieces of evidence. So there was a lot of blood within one of the sinks, like near the shower. Mm -hmm. And this blood appeared diluted as though the faucet had been running while the attack began. And then had been turned off sometime before an arterial hit had sprayed more blood into the sink. Um, it was believed that Travis was killed in the bedroom where the large stain of blood was. And then he was later dragged into the bathroom. Mm. There was a bullet casing on the floor, which was the first tip to investigators that Travis might've been shot since with the amount of wounds he sustained, that wasn't immediately evident. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a section of the bathroom that didn't have any blood in it that looked like a path. So it soon became evident that the killer had partially flooded the bathroom, attempting to erase evidence or potentially to more easily drag Travis into the shower. Hmm. It also appeared that Travis's body had been washed post-mortem. There was a plastic cup found near the body that police believed was used to like clean his body. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, A bloody palm print and long strand of hair were found (laughs) at the scene. And while Detective Flores was still at the scene, he received a call from dispatch that Jody Arias wanted to speak with him. Oh, my gosh. So, obviously, he immediately called her. Yeah. Um, she told him that she had heard that Travis was dead and that there was a lot of blood. And she explained that she had last spoken to him on the phone on June 3rd but hadn't seen him in person since April. And she said she didn't know who would want to hurt Travis. <laughs> but that his tires had been slashed and that he never locked his doors and that she often worried about him. Oh my gosh. So after this really weird conversation, Detective Flores went back inside and when he went back inside, they were investigating the laundry room and inside the dryer were the sheets and bedding from Travis's bed and in the washer were clothes and towels belonging to Travis as well as a black Sony SLR camera. Yep. And it had been run through the wash cycle. And the camera was Travis's, and it was pretty new. And the camera was ruined, but the memory card was not. And it was taken by police to try and recover whatever was on it. 
Thank goodness for that. I know. It's insane. Yeah. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the autopsy. Great. Um, so Travis had been shot in the face. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, it's bad. Um, the gunshot um, had been to, like, the top of his head down through his face, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it was determined that it was not shot at close range, but from about three feet away. That's not close range. I think they meant like it wasn't like oh, muzzle to the head. Him. Okay. So it wasn't like execution style. Yeah. Three feet still feels close. It still feels close, but it also feels like far for the angle. Like it yeah. just, it's weird. Um, but it was impossible to determine if he had been shot prior to or after death. Um, Travis had also been stabbed at least 27 times. Wow. On so- his front and back. And um, the worst wound that he had was a slash to his throat um, that was about six inches across and about four inches deep, uh, which is, that's so deep. Yeah. Like it went like to the bone and it cut his airway, jugular vein and carotid artery. And this wound would have caused almost immediate death by exsanguination. Wow. So there was a lot of blood at this scene. Yeah. Um, Travis's hands also showed extensive defensive wounds that indicated that the attacker was right-handed. And one defensive wound that just like makes me want to throw up is he had one cut that had split the webbing between his thumb and index finger, which just sounds so painful. Yeah. Um, there was tearing on Travis's ankles indicating that he had been dragged, Hmm. um, there were nine stab wounds to his upper back. This is so much. Yeah. Is that on top of no, the 27 others? Included in included? the 27. Okay. But nine of them were to his back. Okay. Um, and Travis's heart had been pierced with a stab to the center of his chest. So three of Travis's wounds would have been fatal. The gunshot, the stab to the heart, and the slash to his throat. Wow. So, yeah. And police don't know. Know which one it yeah. was. Yeah. His... Official cause of death um, was blood loss. Yeah. But it could have been any of those, really. Mm -hmm. So, meanwhile, while investigators were finding all of this out, Jody appeared to mourn back in California. (laughs) She wrote in her journal and posted online about Travis and her grief. Um, She also talked with Travis's friends and Bishop. Why were his friends talking to her? They all thought she did it. Um. Meanwhile, she was still trying to pursue a relationship with Ryan, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Ryan. Get out of there. Get out of there. (laughs) On June 16th, there was a memorial in Mesa for Travis, and thousands of people were in attendance. Wow. Which is crazy. Um, And Jody sat near the front of the room and wiped away tears. Oh, um, while she was in Mesa for the memorial, Jody agreed to give DNA swabs and also agreed to an interview with police. Um, and she did give the DNA, but later said she wasn't willing to talk without an attorney. Hmm. So they didn't interview her while she was in Mesa. But later she changed her mind. And on June 25th, Detective Flores had a phone interview with Jody, during which he specifically asked about the camera and she denied ever touching it or using it. Hmm. So, um, at one point, while suspicions were swelling about Jody, Jody's mom asked her if she had gone to Arizona that day. And Jody said no, she had not, and said, I have the gas receipts to prove it. <laughs> um, in fact, she had a whole box of receipts from her trip that she had saved in her closet. Um, so that's really, you know. I don't keep my receipts like that. Me neither. <laughs> like, mm. if a receipt just doesn't print at the gas station, I'm like, ah, dang it, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, whenever they say, please see, cashier. See, yep, nope, never do that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. I'll be all right. <laughs> so that's how they managed to not have to like go by. They're like, we're out of paper. <laughs> we're out of the paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, after gathering a ton of evidence against Jody, Detective Flores drove to Ryrica. That's so hard to say. Why I was about to say, I don't think he said that the I same didn't. way. <laughs> <laughs> to confront Jody. And this was on July 15th, 2008. She was taken to a local sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. And they kind of like tr- like tricked her into it. Like they like 
were surveilling her. And mm-hmm. then early the next morning, they were like, hey, we're here to talk to you about that robbery that happened a while ago. <laughs> anyway, so um, he took her to the local sheriff's department and Detective Flores interviewed her while Detective Mendez from Wairica, the Wairica department, mm-hmm. um, watched the interrogation from the viewing room. And their reactions to this, I just can't imagine watching some of the things that she did and said in this room, like live. I would be like, what the heck? So um, Jody starts telling her story. And like I said, she ended up driving in the wrong direction. And when Detective Flores asked which route she took, she said, I'm pretty sure I know where I went. Can I draw you a map? No. <laughs> and so she like takes like a folder he has and like draws him a map of where I she I would went. never be able to do that. No, me neither. <laughs> um, and, after, and I don't believe that she could either. No. And during part of it too, she's like, and then like Mesa's all the way over here. I wasn't anywhere near there. <laughs> and it's like, how is this convincing? How is this supposed to be convincing? So after her explanation, Detective Flores explained that based on her route, even if she slept for 10 hours in her car, this would have left 18 hours unaccounted for. Wow. Which would have been plenty of time to drive to and from Mesa and to kill Travis. Yeah. So during this interrogation, at no point. Interview. Interview, interrogation. I can't speak today. At no point did Jody ask why she was being interrogated. Um, And when she denied being at Travis's house that day, Detective Flores told her that they had her palm print at the scene as well as DNA. Her hair? Yes. So there are two kinds of her DNA found at the scene. Mm -hmm. So um, there was blood in the palm print on the wall that was a mixture of DNA from Travis and Jody. Mm. And the DNA was a decisive match for Jody, matching her DNA on all 16 genetic markers. And the hair was tested with the same results. Wow. So um, even better. I've been sounding like Owen Wilson a lot. I just keep saying, Wow. wow. So even better, uh, Jody had an answer for this. Oh, great. She said, my hair is all over every square inch of that house. And then said she didn't have an answer for the palm print, but she was adamant she wasn't there. (laughs) Same. I don't know why my palm print and my blood were at the scene, but. But my hair, it's everywhere. Like, it's like, okay, that still doesn't answer the other two pieces of damning evidence against you. There's no reason for that. No. So it was at this point that Detective Flores brought out the pictures from the camera found in the washing machine. Oh, great. So at around 1 p.m., there were some very sexual pictures taken of Jody, naked and in braids in Travis's bedroom. Great. Um, and to this picture, Jody looked at it and said, that looks like me, <laughs> but said that it wasn't her. She wasn't there. Um, and then about four hours later, There were several pictures of Travis in the shower, and these were timestamped at around 5.30 on June 4th, and they were taken while he was still alive. Mm -hmm. So they're like, he's like posing for the camera and stuff. It was very gross. Um, Yeah. I would not want to be her lawyer. Oh, no. (laughs) And it sounds like they had a, like, he had a terrible time. I watched a documentary, and he's in it, and Mm -hmm. he's just like, she is not the person that you wanted, because she loved the media. (laughs) Man. So, finally, the most damning piece of evidence, or the most damning picture, at least, was um, after the last posed photos of Travis, the camera started taking pictures by accident. And there's several pictures of, like, the ceiling or, like, the floor or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there is a photo taken, and you can see Travis's back and head covered in blood. Oh. And the killer's foot. Mm -hmm. And the killer was wearing long track pants and dark socks. And... You can see the bathroom behind them, and it appears that Travis is being dragged. Oh. <laughs> so. so the camera's in her hand? It's on the floor. Floor. Okay. Yeah. Great. I don't know if I can post it, but I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So, finally, after bringing this out, he's like, mm-hmm. that's your foot, Jody. That's you. And she's like, no, it's not. Oh, my gosh. So, finally, Detective Flores explains that they're going to book her, and to this... Jody is crying and says, oh my. quote, this is a really trivial question and it's going to reveal how shallow I am. But before they book me, can I clean myself up a little bit? Oh my gosh. And the detective no. is like, no. <laughs> so he leaves the room for a little while. And this is when Jody goes crazy. So As if she hasn't already. Yeah. 
So she starts out by doing a headstand against the wall. How Amanda Knox of you. I know, right? She like literally, first of all, also she's barefoot this whole time, which grosses me out. Ew. Um, but she like literally just looks at the wall. She's like sitting in the chair. She looks at it for a second and then just like goes into a headstand. Um, she also sings to herself. Um, she sings a Dido song. She sings Oh Holy Night. And it's June. It's June. <laughs> it's <laughs> July, actually, at this point. Christmas in July. Um, at one point, she also, like, rifles through the trash can, hmm. which is weird. <laughs> um, she also talks to herself a lot. Um, she, like, laughs to herself a few times. Yeah. At one point, she says something along the lines of, quote, still hate me, brat. Oh, yeah. And, no. yeah, it w- which I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I don't even know what's going on in her head. Um, no one she does. also said, you could have at least done your makeup, Jody. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so she's very distraught that she's not wearing makeup for her photo. But anyway, for her mugshot, Jody fixed her s- hair and, like, tilted her head and mm-hmm. smiled. <laughs> so. Can we post that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Absolutely posting that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So the next day, Jody was interrogated again. And this time they brought in a woman and Jody practically refused to speak to her. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so the detective offered for her to speak to Flores instead if she wanted. And Jody said, yes, she'd rather speak with Flores because he'd been in contact with Travis's family. Oh. So, you know. She's a little obsessed. Mm-hmm. So finally, Jody admits that she did see Travis the day he died. So according to her story, Jody arrived at 3 a.m. and the couple fell asleep. And then they woke up in the afternoon to have sex. And Jody said that while she was taking photos of Travis showering, a man and a woman broke in. <laughs> and she said that they broke in and immediately shot Travis and that they were white and American, and that they were wearing all black and ski masks. How did she know it was a woman? They talked. Uh. Um, she said they attacked Travis, and she feared that she would be next. And so she ran and hid in the closet, and they chased her. And she said the man held the gun to her head and told her not to go anywhere. And she said that he told the other girl to finish it. Which to me, I just pointed out her saying other girl, because I would just say... The girl. The girl. There was only one girl other mm-hmm. than you. I wouldn't yeah. say the other girl. I would just say the girl. Yeah. But anyway, a little bit weird. Um, so after this, Jody claims to have had a struggle with the girl. And they fought for a while. And Jody said the girl stopped. Like, just, like, gave up, I guess. Uh-uh. And that... You beat me. Yeah, the attackers talked. And she said at this point, the girl wanted to kill her and the guy didn't even though she had just said that the guy told the girl to finish it. Yeah. So it's like, why did he suddenly decide not to kill her? Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that they didn't kill her because they said, that's not what we're here for. So then what are you here for? I, I don't know. So Jody said she was wounded in the struggle. Um, she says she was cut on her hand and shows him and says, you actually can't see if you look at it. My finger isn't the same though. And then says, <laughs> conveniently, it was right on the crease. Oh, conveniently. Conveniently. Um, she also said that the male assailant got her registration out of her wallet and said, you must be that bitch from California. And she said that he told her they'll do the same to her family. Um, like if she said anything. Okay. So she said that they had her address and knew where her family lived, but she didn't say that they wrote it down or like took a picture or anything. So it's like. I guess she just expects they that memorized. they memorized it. Um, after this, Jody supposedly just left and drove to Salt Lake City and acted like nothing happened. Oh, my gosh. So. What a convenient story. Yeah. Detective Flores said, I've done this a long time, and this is the most far-fetched story I've ever heard. I would agree. Yeah. Same. I don't know how you would top that one. Um, in her cell... A cellmate reportedly heard Jody on her phone call with her parents, and Jody asked them, "What comes up when you Google my name?" That's weird. Yeah, she was just really concerned with like her image. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like she knew that people were talking about her, mm-hmm. and like she wanted to know, and yeah. it's so weird. I mean, she's inserted herself into this from the very beginning. Like, yeah, 
she called them and was like, I need to talk to them. Yep. Um, I also just wanted to note a few other weird things she said in interrogations. Um, Jody asked if she killed Travis, what was her motive? And Detective Flores said, like, jealousy and anger. And Jody replied, quote, I was a little envious that he was going to Cancun, but that was not the reason. That was not the reason. That was not the reason. <laughs> like, wh- instead of saying, like, I was jealous of him going on vacation. But I wouldn't kill him. Yeah. yeah or, like, <laughs> that was the only thing I was jealous of. Like, that's not a big deal. She said that was not the reason. So um, what was the reason, Jody? I don't know. She also said if she had wanted to hurt Travis, quote, I don't think I could stab him. I'd have to shoot him continuously until oh he gosh. was dead. Wow. I don't know how she thinks what? that's helping her case. <laughs> no. So. Uh, I beg to differ. I really think she could stab him. Yeah, <laughs> I think she could. Um, so now we're going to talk about the trial. So Juan Martinez, the deputy attorney, was brought in. And if you'll remember, he was also at the scene. Mm-hmm. So he was confident that this murder was premeditated and he wanted the death penalty on the table. So wow. um, it was really the fact that they are the- seeking the death penalty that got so much media interest in this case. Yeah. Especially because like she's pretty and like mm-hmm. not a lot of women are up for the death penalty anyway. Yeah. So and Jody couldn't stay away from the media. Um at one point, she went on Inside Edition and denied everything and said, quote, no jury is going to convict me. Oh, really? <laughs> really confident there. She's very confident. Yeah. yeah. To a fault. Yeah. So Kirk Nurmi was appointed as Jody's defense attorney. Poor guy. Like I said, it, he had a rough time of that it. That is not a fun. That's not a fun job. So they talked and clearly her intruder story wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So in 2010, Jody changed her story and claimed that she did kill Travis, but that it was self-defense. So Jody started to allege things about Travis. She claimed that he was abusive, violent, and even alleged that he was a pedophile. So, Ooh. yeah. So the case began, or the trial began in January of 2013, and it went on for four months, Jeez. which is insane to me. So... Like I said, Jody's defense strategy was essentially to put Travis on trial. Yeah. So. They really had no other choice. Yeah. Um, her story went that she shot Travis, they kept struggling, and then she stabbed him. Um, the shot to the head, according to the Emmy, would have immediately incapacitated him. But the defense argued that because in the autopsy they couldn't actually like test his brain for hemorrhaging and stuff because mm-hmm. it had been too long but yeah. they couldn't say that definitively. Mm. So um, the prosecution showed autopsy photos during the trial to show how horribly Travis had been killed. Yeah. And I tell, I, I'm going to tell you, I saw one of these like by accident Ugh. and it, they're bad. Like I've seen other autopsy photos, but yeah. these ones are really bad. So whew, yeah, I can't believe they showed those in trial. Mm-hmm. I know they have to, but still. I like think being, if I, am ever chosen selected to be Mm -hmm. on a jury i want it to be like i want interesting facts presented but Mm -hmm. i don't want it to be like that no i would not want to be on this jury no it is the whole trial was just a mess yeah no i would not so jody also went on the stand um starting on february 4th and she was on the stand for 18 days wow so um a lot of Jody's testimony had to do with her sexual history with Travis. And the defense brought forward a lot of text messages and phone calls that showed like ways that Travis was very sexually aggressive and he was very debasing in his comments about her. And he was definitely at the very least verbally and emotionally abusive mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah. But like I said, she was also abusive back in other ways. Oh, yes. So it's just like, it's all very messed up. Um, Jody also alleged that she at one point came to understand that Travis had a sexual interest in young boys. Mm. Yeah. No idea if that is true or not. Yeah. If it is. That's gross. Yeah. So Jody also alleged that um, Travis had attacked her in January of 2008, I believe, and showed that one of her fingers was crooked. <laughs> and I will post pictures of the, like, the finger thing because Juan Martinez then like 
pulled out a picture of her like three months after that incident after mm-hmm. she claimed it took place and her finger is fine yeah i remember that and Weird. it's like she keeps being like no like it's bent in that picture and you're like no, no. it's literally not it looks fine <laughs> so um the defense also played an audio of travis and jody um that is so raunchy like i mentioned mm-hmm. and this audio was recorded on may 10th so less than a month before yeah. she killed him. And Jody Arias purposely recorded this, and Travis was not aware that she was recording it. Mm-hmm. So, very interesting. Yeah, she was always doing stuff that he wasn't exactly aware of. Yeah. So, Jody's final story was that she was taking pictures of Travis in the shower, and that she dropped his camera on accident, and he attacked her. And that Travis threatened to kill her, and she believed him. And she ran and hid in the closet where Travis kept a gun. And so she took it out. And then he chased her into the bathroom where she pointed the gun at him. And he lunged at her and the gun went off. Okay. Um, And then she said that he kept fighting, wrestling her for the gun. And that she couldn't remember a lot of the details. And she has no memory of stabbing him or dragging him across the floor. So. But those things happened. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like. She's claiming that it's like a trauma response. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember. Okay. Um, So she stabbed him 27 times and shot him with a gun that was actually in all reality likely stolen from her grandparents' house weeks before. Yeah. Or days before, I guess. And she just happened to have gas tanks in her Mm -hmm. car. Um, Three of his wounds would have been fatal. Mm-hmm. And she continued stabbing him. Yeah. That is not self-defense. No. So Juan Martinez went in <laughs> on Jody in his cross-examination. So he asked her about her memory problem and her not being able to remember things. Mm-hmm. And he asked how long she'd had a memory problem. And she was like, I wouldn't call it a problem. And like he kept being like, okay, well, like, okay, it's not a problem. But like, how long have you had it? like the memory yeah. problem? Like that, there's really no other way to say it. Mm-hmm. And she... Literally just wouldn't answer the question. She just kept dodging it and being like, it's not a problem. Okay. So um, he also asked why she never wrote anything negative in her journal about Travis and this abuse that she was enduring. Mm -hmm. And she said she believed in the law of attraction and like what you write about will will be. What? (laughs) Um, So he also alleged that her finger was not injured until like killing Travis and that it was like injured in the act of killing Travis. Mm-hmm. Um, she obviously wasn't having any of this. Yeah, no. Yeah. She tried. She stuck to her story. Um, he also discussed how like asked how Travis was a threat to Jody when she stabbed him nine times in the back. Wow. Yeah. Like, he's not coming at you if you're uh-uh. stabbing him in the back. Yeah. Um, and he also brought up the gas cans and, alleged that she borrowed the gas cans in order to get in and out of Arizona without record because she knew from the time that she left that she was going to kill Travis. Yeah. So. Seems pretty obvious. Premeditation. Yeah. (laughs) So the jury deliberations went on for four days before coming back with a verdict. And Jody Arias was found guilty of first degree murder. Yeah. And outside of the courthouse, hundreds of people cheered and celebrated. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Minutes after the verdict was read, Jody gave a live interview with the local news channel. And she said the verdict was unexpected and said, quote, I'd rather get death than live. I believe death is the ultimate freedom. Oh, well, I don't think you're getting it. <laughs> so, um, so she had to come back for a sentencing trial, obviously. Mm-hmm. And at this, Jody showed up with a t-shirt that she designed and <laughs> wanted to sell and it's white and says survivor on it. Oh my God. It's really ugly. <laughs> and she said she wanted to help sell it to help victims of domestic violence. Mm. So like, that would be great if you weren't a murderer. Yeah. I don't think the money would actually be going yeah. towards that. She didn't even give a charity. She was like to a charity to help. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, you don't to even you. have one picked out. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then contrary to what she had said, she pleaded for life in prison for the sake of her family. Mm. So at this trial, eight of the jury members voted for death and four voted for life. So at this stage, the judge had to, to declare a mistrial. Mm. A year and a half later, 
a new jury um, came to the conclusion that they were also hung. (laughs) Great. So there was another mistrial. This time, 11 voted for death and one for life. Wow. So due to Arizona state law, the prosecution could not continue seeking the death penalty after two mistrials. So in 2015, Jody was sentenced to natural life in prison with no possibility of parole, mm-hmm. which I agree with because I don't agree yeah. with the death penalty. Yeah. But that wow. is the story. One, five people, right? Saved her. Like, yeah. By saying that. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Like, I'm proud of them the- for holding out. Like- yeah. The one person in the second one. Yeah. So. I mean, especially since she was like, freedom, like... Me dying would be freedom. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, then you're going to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, That's make it. her suffer. Yeah. And also just like, now she's just like in prison. Yeah. Like, I feel like, like if she did get a death sentence, she'd still get like all those appeals and things. And like, yeah. I feel like she would do everything she could to just oh, yeah. get on TV. And it's just like, yeah. no. We'd all be like, you just have to go rot. away. Like, yeah. Go away. So. Wow. I just. I know it's crazy. She's so freaking crazy. And I don't like to call women crazy, but... She's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very rough one. Yes, indeed. But glad that she got life in prison mm-hmm. and that she's not getting paroled. Yeah. We, so, didn't... we don't need her walking around. <laughs> There's a lot of exes out there of hers. And yeah. there would be a lot more if... <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I do think... I think I saw something right before we recorded that she participated in a talent show oh. in jail singing uh, yeah concerning i don't need to know like why are we still reporting on i don't know her so yeah well that is the story i don't think i have any um things about you no that's okay i mean look any um what are they called uh palate cleanser yeah i almost said icebreaker that is not no i don't think i have any that's okay I'm hungry anyway. It's time for dinner. <laughs> it's dinner time, guys. Um, great. Well, you guys should follow us on all the things. On Instagram at Something Sick Podcast or on Twitter at A Sick Podcast or on TikTok at Something Sick Podcast or send us an email at Something Sick Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next time, homies. Peace out. Peace out.